0: Hey everyone, welcome to This Is Not A Podcast. My name is Bobby Hundreds and I swore I would never make a podcast. As the co-founder of The Hundreds, a men's streetwear brand that's been selling worldwide for over 16 years, I figured, is there anything left for me to say? But here we are. After publishing my first memoir and reflecting on my own experiences of building a business, my personal and financial struggles and successes, I realized there was more to talk about maybe not just from my perspective. The best part is, I still get to say, I don't have a podcast. This is just a curious audio thing where you get to meet cool, interesting people. You're listening to This Is Not A Podcast. Designer Benny Gold is more than a friend or industry peer. The streetwear veteran feels more like a war buddy sometimes. We've been through heaven and hell together. Benny Gold started his San Francisco-based apparel brand in 2004. My partner Ben and I were only a year into the game at that point with our own streetwear label, The Hundreds. It was the golden era of pre-social media streetwear culture. With only a handful of indie brands like ours around the world, we fast sought each other out through message boards and blogs and independent trade shows. Benny was already cutting his voice as a designer for the up-and-coming brand Huff. What I admired and appreciated most about his product was that he was a tried-and-true designer. Over the years, the Benny Gold brand achieved global notoriety in both the skate and street fashion space. His store in San Francisco's Mission District cast him as SF's cultural ambassador, more like the mayor. But nothing lasts forever, and even the greatest stories have beginnings and ends.
1: And it's scary to leave something that's really comfortable
0: for something that's unknown. In chapter 34 of my book, Lauren's Lesson, I talk about how our lives and enduring careers toggle between thriving and surviving. Benny Gold made the difficult decision to shutter his brand earlier this year, which was a bittersweet moment, not just for the designer, but for the streetwear community. But from those ashes, Benny is now spreading his wings in a new and broader capacity. And it's that emerging Phoenix story that I'm excited to delve into today. Say hi to my pal, Benny Gold. Today, I'm joined by my old friend Benny Gold, and uh, Benny, why don't you, you introduce yourself? I know how to introduce you, but I want to I hear, like, I want to hear who Benny is from Benny's mouth. Today,
1: I think it's over our course of our careers, you and I probably introduce each other um, hundreds of times. Yeah,
0: we've done this many times before. Um, but what keeps it interesting is that our lives keep changing. Yes. So, like, every time we do this, it's fun because then, like, where are you now? Like, how would you paint the profile of Benny Gold now?
1: Yeah, this is interesting because this is my first interview post-brand. Yeah. So, I'm actually looking forward to this. Uh, my usual intro would be Benny Gold designer slash signature clothing brand. hmm You know, our accidental
0: signature clothing
1: brand. And now, I closed the brand down recently, um, and I joined an ad agency called Goodby Silverstein & Partners.
0: Is that how you refer to where your career in life is at now? You say post brand. Uh,
1: yeah. I you know I haven't figured out how to articulate it yet because yeah. it's so
0: new and fresh.
1: So I haven't had a way to say it because it's still I'm still selling stuff online, but I'm on in the process of closing that down too. Yeah. You know, and the idea of with the brand now is just to put it on hiatus for a close it down for a little while and just refigure out what it means to me and what I want it to okay. look like moving forward.
0: Do you look at the brand now like maybe it can be considered as a side project or it's just a fun hobby because when people ask me about brands and, and their lifetimes I always say like brands never really die right like that's even where licensing comes into play like dead brands get revived after like 20 years and, and then are suddenly successful and relevant again. <laughs> And that can happen for Benny Gold, right? It can happen in like three months or going can happen in like 30 years. But let's say, you know, Travis Scott all of a sudden has a hankering for Benny Gold and starts wearing only Benny Gold and all of a sudden their brand is revived. So like it never really dies because there's so much emotional uh, goodwill around that brand that I feel like a hundred years from now you can mention Benny Gold and someone will be like, dude, that brand means everything to me.
1: Right, yeah. That's what we always talk about. It's more than clothing what we're making. Yeah. And so for when, you know, when I had to take a look, look at what I was doing and what was making me happy, the brand was becoming more than clothing in a way that it became more of a business. Yeah. And so for me to fall in love with it and still care about it, I need the business side of it to die for a little while. You know, you, so it's always going to be an art project and it's always going to be a part of what I do. Mm-hmm. But the business side of it was... It needed to go away.
0: That was really killing you. It was killing me creatively. You were handling a lot of the business side of the brand, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know my story just as well as anybody else, but you know, we've been around for close to around the same amount of time. But I've always been reluctant to be to really call it a brand and a business. Like I never done trade shows, and I dabbled in in the mall stores with with you and everybody else. But I've mm-hmm. always had my toe in it because. I've always tried to be on the more of the creative side of things and really focus on the creative it and let the creative drive the brand. Yeah. But it got to a point where I was more concerned with you know making payroll every month, making my rents, talking to stores and meeting trying to meet the trends that they were asking for. Yeah. You know, and I just got to a point where I wasn't enjoying it as much anymore.
0: Do you think it would have helped if you had a figure like Ben, yes. right? Like in my world, in my life, I have someone like Ben who takes the brunt of that, enjoys working on the business infrastructure th- side of things and excels in it. And so he almost keeps me pure from uh, getting tainted by all that money discussion and all the hard negotiations around business, which I feel like, I, I, like you're saying, it really tends to compromise the, cre- the creative part of the brand.
1: I was always envious of your and Ben's relationship, Mm. you know, kind of like, you know, when you see the guy with the hot girl at school and you're like, man, how come I don't have a girl (laughs) like that? Ben's the hot girl. Ben's the hot girl in your relationship.
0: Just so (laughs) everyone knows, Ben is sitting in this room right now and his nipples are really hard. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I never had the yin to my yang,
1: you know, and it's always been, so I, I try to do both. and. Just being a creative, it's really hard. And it's easy when when everything's going well, like when you're making a lot of money, yes. when you're the hot hot new kid at school, yeah. and everybody wants a piece of it, and and your phone's ringing and asking you for more orders. It's the business side is easy because it's just like picking up the phone and giving them stuff. Yeah. But when strewer market and everything changes and it becomes of a struggle and you have to put on more of a business hat, it gets a needed a bend.
0: When can you talk about when it was? really firing and that exciting new kid uh, feeling around the brand and what years were those and what was going on um, as far as how the marketplace was, was receiving Benny gold.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, those feelings are amazing. Like, and you can never, you know, you you can never change how that feels and, and replicate that stuff. Like to be the brand that everybody wants and all the stores want and there's a buzz about it and you're on the front of, magazines and the blogs and the websites, you know, that stuff is amazing. And, and then it gets to a point where it's time for other people to be on the front of the blogs and the magazines and the websites and, and yep. be the new hot brand in the stores. And that's totally fine, yep. you know, but it's, but to keep things moving and, and going fresh, you have to evolve and it's, you know, and that's creatively and business wise. And I, and I had a hard time evolving the business side.
0: Early on, you were designing for Huff mm-hmm. Uh, for the brand Huff run by uh, our friend Keith Huffnagel, nagel And um, you were responsible for his iconic first logo. Um, if you've been around the streetwear scene for a minute, you might remember. Um, it was kind of like a one-line drawing type of a graphic that said Huff, yeah, it was,
1: right? It was, based, it was based on an Etch-A-Sketch. Because when I, when I first met Keith, when he moved back to San Francisco to open his stores before it was even a brand, mm-hmm. he, we were on skating one day and then he was saying, I really need a logo for my store. I can't get one. I've asked all the guys from all his sponsors to make it for him, and he couldn't do it. And he's like, all I want is something that's, that's linear and cool. That's all he said. Yeah. And so I went home, brainstormed, and I was like, what is linear and cool? And I was like, there's nothing li- more linear and more cool than an Etch-a-Sketch. Yeah. So I took out my Etch-a-Sketch and,
0: and made the logo. Oh, really? You? It came from the Etch-a-Sketch? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, not first try. But, yeah. <laughs> um, and then at a certain point when you're working for Huff, you decided, actually, maybe I want to create my own thing. Or was your, was your art and design already taking off on the side, and that's what motivated you to branch off?
1: Yeah. You know, ownership. You always want ownership. And when you invest your heart and everything into something, and then it's not yours at the end of the day yeah you know you, you realize that you really want something to be solely yours, yeah you know, and that's what I think what happened with with Huff and and Huff really needed for it to grow bigger than what I was than I'm w- was willing to give at the time because yep. I was also focusing on my own brand, their brand, and a lot of freelance work at the time, and he really needed somebody to focus solely on his projects right for it to grow into what it is now and it's amazing to see what it's grown into yeah, but it needed more focus than I was willing to give it. At
0: and so you had to have that hard conversation with Keith. Yeah, or he
1: had to have that hard conversation with me, probably.
0: <laughs> He's like, hey, man, yeah. you're spending a lot of time on this Benny Gold project. Uh, maybe you should go off and do that.
1: The conversation was, I need someone to really focus on what I'm doing. And the thing that you're doing is starting to take off. More stores are asking for it. You know, and do you really want to focus on what you're doing or do you want to focus on what I'm doing?
0: Right. And was that a scary moment for you or were you ready for that moment?
1: No, I was scared shitless. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, he was... You know, giving me, a, he was compensating me, you know, very well and, and I was very comfortable. And it's scary to leave something that's really comfortable for something that's unknown.
0: So, can you talk about when you first split off? Mm-hmm. Like, how did you even know what to do? I think that's a question that most kids are wondering, right? I want to start my own thing. I'm comfortable in my career. I have a job or I'm in school, but I really want to create this brand. I have this idea for a brand. What were those first initial steps for you?
1: Well, the brand was already going for a couple of years before the split. Mm-hmm. So I already had an identity, I already had connections in stores, but my thing was to open the doors that he didn't want to open yet. Cuz he wasn't ready to go into the malls, he wasn't ready to like open distribution. At the time, he was only selling to, you know, a handful of stores that that were his friends, you know, like Kicks Hawaii, Saint Alfred's Goods in Seattle. Yep, yep, DQM and those type of stores and he was very, you know, keeping it very tight and really caring about the image of the brand. And since I was designing a lot of his stuff and and all my stuff, I I thought the way I could differentiate it was to go into the stores he wasn't ready yet.
0: A lot of people knew you from your work from Huff, and they were like, oh, but I can get access to your brand and start bringing it in. Right. And so that's that's exciting, right? Like you're getting a lot of attention. The brand is moving. When do you feel like it was really peaking? What year was that? Uh,
1: I think the peak of it was, let me think, probably right around the time when my daughter was – no, when my right before my son was born, so probably like five or six years ago. I mean, I was in three hundred plus Zoomy doors at a time. You know, I was in like yeah, I was in you know, and this is impressive because it's just me and a couple and a small crew. You've been to my warehouse before, and yeah. it was just A couple of us, and it, I mean, it was amazing. I felt like we could do no wrong. I was getting got a warehouse, outgrew a warehouse, got a bigger warehouse. You know, built more staff. You know,
0: you were going home like you know, we're rich basically <laughs> at this point, the sky's the limit.
1: Yeah. Sky's the limit, you know, and you keep investing more of your more and more of your savings into things because you yeah. think it's going to keep growing forever. You know? So every time I had a little nest egg, I was like, you know, a big production bill would come by and the production bills go from being something you could handle easy from a couple of thousand to like 10,000 to $80,000 production bills. You So you just keep sinking more money into it. And then, you know, and the, and then when the growth stops, you know, you still have those production bills, and that's right. Where, and that's where the business side got a lot harder for me.
0: When you were dealing with production,
1: yeah, because you know, going into these mall stores and into the zoomies and that type of stuff, there are a number of a space business, you know. Yeah. And once your once your brand doesn't perform as well because you miss a couple trends or deliver late a couple times. Your, your numbers start shrinking on with them.
0: Which is how a lot of smaller brands get into trouble because they don't foresee that at a certain point, a store like Azumi's or a big retailer can just turn the faucet off whenever they feel like it. Yes. And then you're stuck with this hefty production, right? Um, did you, looking back now, do you regret opening up a store like Azumi's? Do you think? It was a bad decision to expand it into doors like that?
1: No, no, not at all. They, they really helped get my brand out there because back when we started yeah. these things, there was, there was no social media, no other ways to market yourself. No, there
0: was no DTC. Was no DTC. Yeah, so. unless you open up your own physical stores, yes, which, which we all did. Very costly yeah. and laborious. <laughs> but we didn't have the luxury of having e-comm firing the way that it is now.
1: No, I mean, when we started, we didn't even have an e-com sign. I took orders through uh, my email.
0: Yeah. <laughs> why did you never take on an investor? I'm sure people were knocking on the door, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: Yeah. people were knocking on the door. When you're, when you're really hot, people are knocking on the doors, yeah. but, you don't, but you don't think you need them because you think you're always going to grow and you're like, why am I going to take on this investor now when, I'm, when I don't need it? I'm paying my bills. Everything's fine. I'm growing. Yeah. But then when you, when you do need them, they're not there anymore. Of course. You know? <laughs> it's like it's like trying to get a bank loan when you need a bank loan. And do you
0: have any regrets there?
1: No. No, I have no regrets at all. I mean, everything happened for a reason. and got me where, to where I need to go. Yeah. You know what? And with my brand, it was always a side project. I never in my wildest dreams pictured it to be as big as it was. Like, I never thought I was going to be a worldwide distributed brand sitting here talking to you, you know, or in any mall stores or having people recognize me on the streets at all. I just wanted to make artwork and make a couple cool t-shirts, you know? And the only reason I started making stuff was because I had excess of designs and t-shirts are the easiest way to get things out
0: Yeah, to the world. This is a little bit off topic, but speaking yeah. of t-shirts, why do you think they're so central to the medium of streetwear? Why do you think they are really the core competency of what we do?
1: I think they're the core of streetwear because when we started streetwear, it was so small and it was a really select group of people. And it was more of a a way to show people what you're into in life. Yeah. You know, right now, like I barely wear streetwear at all because it's such a mass thing now. And it tells the exact opposite message of why I started wearing streetwear.
0: What was it that, what was that? What was the philosophy that you held onto when, when you were first getting into streetwear? And this was in the early 2000s, right? Mid 2000s? Yeah. Late nineties, early 2000s. Yeah. You know, it's, when I
1: first started wearing streetwear is the same reason why I wore that band t-shirt or the skate t-shirt when I was a kid is because I wanted, I was looking for other people like me. It was more of like a, like a, like the bat signal or a smoke signal out into the world. Like, Hey, I'm into this. Who else is into this? Right. You know, cause as soon as you wore that streetwear t-shirt and you walked down the street and someone else recognized it, you guys are instantly friends and same way with music, same way with skateboarding t-shirts. And so that's why I think the t-shirt is so integral part of streetwear back then. Yeah. You know, and now these young kids with brands, they don't even care about the t shirt. They want to jump right to cut and sew because the t shirt doesn't mean as much anymore because it's a, because she wears a mass mass commodity thing.
0: Do you think that they will get a lot further if they focus more just on t shirts than getting into cut and sew? Because as we were talking about earlier, the cut and sew production is where a lot of smaller brands run into trouble. And we've consistently run into trouble over and over again over the years by getting caught up in cut and sew production difficulties and, just paying for that stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, people always. I, when when I had my store, I was doing office hours where every Thursday I made myself available, uh, made myself available for people that are, you know, budding streetwear b- designers or yeah. creatives or business owners. And a lot of their questions were always, "How do I get big? How do I, how do I get a hundred thousand followers on Instagram? How do I get into all these stores? How do I get, you know, money and cars?" And they're and they're. Never, nobody ever wants to be small. So yeah. a lot of people look at the T-shirt as a small thing, and they don't realize how the impact a shirt could really have.
0: That's crazy. they want
1: to skip the steps because of social media now, and they want to have the full cut and of the line, the fancy cars, and all that stuff.
0: And they're completely missing the point that almost every single one of these brands, including a brand like Supreme— Right, are yeah. bread and butters coming down to graphic T-shirts. Right, you know, um, it, our brand, our bread and butter comes down to graphic T-shirts. Some years it can fluctuate depending on trend. Right, um, but you can have a brand like Famous Stars and Straps, which at one point was as valuable as like a diamond, and it was all graphic T-shirts. Yep. You know, and and people for whatever reason missed that point. And I think you're right. You know, I think there's, I think a lot of these kids get distracted by the size and the the power and the, the glory, right? The gold and the glory of streetwear when really what it comes down to is doing good art, good design on graphic t-shirts and selling to a small community of people. And like, you can get very successful and be very rich by doing that. But for whatever reason, they've, they're convinced that they, oh, I need 100,000 followers. When like business has proven time and time again, you really only need 1,000 a a thousand dedicated followers, right? Yeah. Like that's enough that's to enough. live very well on this planet um okay so coming back to the lifeline of the brand um then there comes a point right so like a few years ago you're killing it everything's firing and then was there a certain point where you realized this isn't going the way that it used to like things are starting to change or slow down or was it was it sharp or was it a gradual decline
1: it was a gradual decline like everything's growing and growing and I'm and I keep expanding to meet to meet the growth. I keep hiring like you know more designers, more people on my team, you know, brand brand people just to th- just to think about the brand, more social people. Mm-hmm. And then I op- I open my store, expand my store, move to a bigger lo- store, move it to a better location. Yeah. You keep expanding and you don't and you keep doing these things because you think the growth is going to keep coming. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of, where if I was smarter and thought about it more, I would have kept things tighter and been able to control everything more. Cause you get to a point where, where you're so big and you have to make these numbers every month to make your, sa- make your payroll, make salary, that you have to do things with the brand to make those numbers. Right. You know, and that's follow trends or do stuff that you would never do without that,
0: you know? And this is antithetical to the whole reason why you start your own brand. Right. Like we all get into, we're artists and designers and we get into building brands because we want to call the shots and tell the world what we want to do. And then you wake up one day and and all of a sudden you're beholden to what a store wants of you or what the customers are asking of you. And I'm sure every big brand has gone through this and continues to go through this and we have to somehow negotiate this as well, right? Like there's some things that I'm calling the shots 100% of the way through or Ben's calling them all the way through. And then there's a lot of things that I do that my hands are a little bit tied behind my back. I don't necessarily want to make it, but because of the circumstances, I've painted myself into a corner where I have to make that particular item. And it's going to pay for the overhead, which I've also painted myself into a corner because now I have crazy overhead. I'm looking around. I have all this staff whose mouths I need to feed. And so now I need to make that pair of pants where I don't really necessarily love that pair of pants. Um, That's difficult, right?
1: Yeah, it is difficult. I mean... But if you look at it as a point that your brand is your baby, like your child, you know, you do anything for your child to keep them healthy. Yeah. And so you're just trying to keep your brand healthy. Right, right. You know, and, and you make sacrifices and that's totally fine. Right. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make your brand any less valuable or, or less cool or whatever it is. You know, you're just trying to keep things healthy.
0: Um, when did it come to a point where you thought maybe I should shutter the brand?
1: It got to a point where I was focused much more on business than creative you know I'd spend my days you know looking at numbers looking at ways to keep th- keep the lights on and I just was not having as much fun anymore and then an op- and then opportunities started coming up for me to make a transition you know and I would never had those opportunities without my brand so there's right so there's never any ill feelings towards it at all but it got to a point where I wasn't enjoying it anymore and I really love my brand and thought about what a healthy brand to me looks like, and it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be the biggest brand. Right. You know, and, for, and so, but I had to cut all the expenses off. So that's why it has to die for a little while for it to come back as the way I want it to be. And that's a small project that I th- could feel proud about again.
0: Yeah. What I think is interesting about, I, I'm going to talk about you in the third person, okay. like you're not in the room, <laughs> but about the brand of Benny Gold. To me, it's, it's really one of the most truest and most authentic brands because it's really tethered to who you are and your story. And so when we're talking right now about your brand, it starts and it grows and it shutters and it's going in and out. And you're, figuring, you're wrestling with the idea of what, what it is. Um, that to me is all the brand of Benny Gold. Right. Like the entire story of Benny, like from you, you from birth, your childhood, your adolescence, you know, growing up in Florida, starting this brand, working for off, like all that to me is the brand of Benny Gold. And so the part where we're at now where you had to decide, okay, maybe the business side of the apparel side of the Benny Gold brand needs to take a knee for a second. That's just another chapter in the story of the Benny Gold brand. But to me, the Benny Gold brand today is alive and thriving and more stronger than ever, right? When I look out and you are creating all the design iconography for the Golden State Warriors merchandise during the finals, right? Like that to me is more Benny Gold, uh, more of your presence, more of your art contributed to the world than i 've ever seen before, right so like when we it 's just weird to me like i 'm sitting here and i and I know i 'm supposed to be centering this podcast around this idea of the rise and a fall of a streetwear brand, and very much so sure that may have happened a streetwear brand, but like you are not a streetwear brand you 're not a skate brand, like you're Benny gold like brands are people, and the stories of like complicated designers and artists and entrepreneurs who go through ups and downs in their lives and come out on the other end with like great stories to tell. And like you have a zillion stories to tell, right? So your brand is like very, very, very thick and rich and like we don't have many brands le- left like that anymore. I think this is a narrative that needs to be told, right? Like We are constantly in this culture of build your own brand and do your own thing and you're not going to find happiness and success and you won't really have an identity on this planet until you build your own thing. Yes. And your narrative now is... Uh, actually you can be more successful, happy, more prosperous, uh, better at your work, be able to contribute more to the world by working with other people for a greater purpose f- within a community of a company like this that, you're, that we're sitting in right now. Um, and we never hear this story. And that was the reason why I wanted to do this podcast more than anything was, can we tell a story of you don't have to have your own brand? You know, like you don't have to have your own streetwear brand uh, to do good work, to make a lot of money. And everyone's like, oh, you can't make real money until you work for yourself. You just prove that that's wrong, right? (laughs) Like more often than not, the majority of the time you work for yourself, you're actually not going to make a lot of money, right? Like you're not necessarily going to be happy.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of of stresses with working for yourself. And don't get me wrong, it was great. Like I loved every minute of the Benny Gold's True or chapter of it. You know, like I loved it. I loved having a store. I loved building a community around the store and the brand. That was, you know, I love that part. But the stress that comes with it too, it's, you know, is, is two sides of every coin. Right now, I, I love the collaborative spirit of coming to this office every day and working with people that are f- so well established and, and I'm just learning so much from them now because it's been on my own for so long. And so when I, I get excited to come here now and just I'm learning so much from them. And I feel my self as a designer is really growing again, which I haven't grown in years. You know, and I felt like I really at the beginning when I entered streetwear, my stuff really stood apart because I was probably one of the only classically trained graphic designers in in the industry. That's so true. my stuff was a lot cleaner than everybody else. And then when we all started making money, we all started hiring, <laughs> you know skilled designers and everybody's stuff started getting clean. Yeah. You know, and so now I feel like I'm really starting to like find a new voice for myself again
0: yeah i that was one of the coolest things you were showing me upstairs, or m- maybe something you said upstairs was how you're learning so much, and I was like, "I envy that, <laughs> right, like you're a student again,, yeah. and I'm constantly in the role and the position of being a teacher you're the teacher right, and Not everyone's looking to me to be the expert and to bestow knowledge upon them, and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on, <laughs> and I wish. That I could learn, right? Which is why I like doing this podcast because like I'm learning from you. Like yeah. everything you're saying. Um I, I feel like I'm gaining.
1: But you've always been someone who wanted to learn. Like since I met you, you've always been pushing it with like the blog. You're, you're like, now I'm making a movie. <laughs> now I'm making a book and you don't know how to make a movie. You didn't know how oh. to make it, write a book. Right. Know? So yeah. you're always learning on those on those levels. Yeah. Which I always liked. Where you could have been like I'm just going to make more t-shirts. It's totally fine. You know how to make t-shirts and and you make them great. Yeah. You know, but now you're like, I'm going to write a book about it now. I'm going to write a movie and really tell the story.
0: Yeah. Staying curious, right? And constantly trying to stay challenging myself, right? Like I think we as designers, we get bored very easily, Mm -hmm. right? And we need to be challenged. And so you're in a pretty cool part of your career now where you're going to be challenged so much. Can you tell us where we are right now?
1: Yeah, we're sitting in the office of Goodby, Silverstein, and Partners, which is one of the biggest and most well-known advertising agencies in the world. We just won the Lion of St. Mark's Award at Cairns, the Lifetime Achievement Award for Jeff Goodby and Rich Silverstein, and I work closely with those guys every day on special projects.
0: And why did you decide to come and work with Goodby and Silverstein? Uh, When I was looking to make
1: a change, you being the first person I called about it, I said, I said, Bobby, I'm looking to make a change. I don't know what it is yet. Could you help point me in the right direction? And you reached out to a bunch of tech firms for me, and made connections. Because we're in the Bay. Because we're in, in the bay. bay.
0: Yeah, I just it, that seemed like the immediate and obvious answer. Like you should work tech is where the money's at. And
1: that's the obvi- that's the obvious answer. And I went that route and I talked to tons of tech firms and there was a lot of interest in it, but they couldn't see how I fit into the wor- their world. All the interviews was about what, I, what I've done and who I am, but they couldn't see how that fits into their world. And then out of the blue, I got a phone call from Goodbye Silverstein and Partners from the recruiter. I heard you're looking to make a change. And I said, I am, but not in advertising. And they're like, just come talk to us. And the only reason I was anti-advertising was because I heard of it's long hours and really hard, hard grueling work. And I, went, I came in, I talked to them, and then they said, "All right, we really like you. The owners want to meet you. So could you come back tomorrow?" And I said, "All right, I'll come back." And I met with Rich Silverstein, and the and he talked to me about my work, talked to me about the work he's making and the stuff he's passionate about, and he said, "Let's make cool shit together." That's all he hmm. said. And then he said, "If you don't like it, don't stay." And I went home that night, and I had an offer
0: the next day. Wow. Yeah. And so, and you took that offer. I took
1: day. that offer, and it was really hard to like. Take that offer while you still have a store, and you yeah. still have all this other stuff. You need to, you need to like, wow, figure how to
0: tie up the ends. What was it like when you sat your staff down and had that discussion?
1: You know, it was hard. It was emotional. Like my wife and I sat everybody down, and you know, and told us, told them what the plans are, and that we're gonna close the store down at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, and that was tough because you, cause you also need that team to help keep the brand going until then. Yeah, like you still have, you still got to finish out the season. You still have to you know, get the store going. Yeah. But when I made that announcement, it felt like a weight was lifted off. And especially when the hype beast article came out about it, the letter, yep. like I felt so relieved and the outpouring of support was so beautiful to me. Like I never thought, I never knew that people cared about as much as they did. Yeah. You know, I had people coming up to me on the streets and just tons of letters of support and people really caring about what I did. And and my sales went through the roof that <laughs>
0: month. That was totally unexpected. Yeah, huh? I was like, it helped pay off a lot of debt. You yeah. know? You're like, oh, n- never mind, everybody. Yeah, again, it was April Fool's. Yeah. We're
1: sticking around. And it's, what's so funny about that? I was, I, tell, I was telling my friends at Supreme about, about that, how much money and how much sales we're doing now after I made the announcement. And I was joking about those stores that say going out of business and the signs tattered, or you know, forever. And it's like this store has been saying going out of business for, for you know for years. Yeah. And they've said, don't, don't, be a C, uh, don't be a Max Fish, is what, is what the guys from Supreme told me.
0: Wow. And I was
1: like, what do you mean? He's like, Max Fish, the bar in New York, was a epic skate bar that everybody cared about as a must-go-to in New York City. And then they, had, they announced that they're going to go out of business and they're going to be closing at the end of the year. This is years ago. And then they had the most amazing months ever, like everyone came out to support them and say their goodbyes. And yes. Then, and then they decided not to close their doors and now nobody gives a shit about the
0: bar. Yeah, nobody wants it.
1: Nobody wants to go anymore.
0: Yeah, it's so true. Yes. Like we had said, we had bade our, farewell, our farewells yeah. and to us it was over. Yeah,
1: because yeah. I was like, damn it. Should I just keep this thing going? <laughs> and, and the only reason is not because I was making more money or anything like that. Is because I saw how much people really loved it and supported it. Yeah. So you think like, fuck, should I really keep this thing going if people really do love it this much? Yeah. You, I don't want to feel like I was letting them down, the people that believe in the dream. But the dream is really bigger than T-shirts, like we talked about. Right. You know, the brand and what we do is not wrapped up in what we make. It's it's the message and who we are.
0: I think we're actually at a good place in the conversation right now. I actually, I don't even really want to end the conversation because I don't feel like we're ending it. I feel like we're beginning something. And I think we have to follow this up in a year and like, see where we're going. Cause like you're at such a transitional piece right now, right in life and career and like trying to figure out what's happening in your brain. Yeah. Um, So like, you know,
1: let's keep it going. And I appreciate you guys have always been along for my journey with me from the very beginning like you guys have been there from me being part of Huff to mm-hmm. leaving and you've always included me in your projects and gave me a platform to tell my story. And I really appreciate it, you know, and We've so we'll, been we'll really keep proud of you,
0: <laughs> Really proud of you. And you're still inspiring us and you're going to be inspiring everyone who listens to this because again, like I feel like you're a trailblazer in speaking on and doing what you're doing right now, which is, I feel like you graduated, right? <laughs> like, We're all still stuck in high school and going like, yeah, one day I'm going to be. And like, you actually like graduated and we're like, hey, uh, what's college like? What's college like? (laughs) And you're like, let me tell you. The chicks are so hot. The chicks (laughs) are hot. (laughs) Much hotter. Cool. Thanks, Benny. No problem. Thanks, Bobby. That's it for this episode. I'm your host, Bobby Hundreds. Our show was produced by Andrew London and edited by Rachel Kastner and Ivana Tucker. Music by Alexander Spit. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.